0: started, I wanted to turn on my microphone because that helps. Before we get started, I wanted to um, let you know uh, that we received a wonderful card from Pastor Frank. Remember, he was here preaching um, during our homecoming, and they were just impressed with how loving and how wonderful this church is, and they wanted to make it known. So I wanted to let you know that we received that card in the mail this week. If you'd like to see it, it's on my desk. I can get it for you later. All right. Well, today as we continue our journey through John, and I made a rhyme and didn't realize it, but that's okay. I need you to know one thing. I'm about to blow your mind. Are you ready? This will revolutionize your walk with Jesus Christ. God doesn't always meet your expectations of him. God doesn't always meet your expectations of him. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to John. And we are in chapter 7. Let me tell you a little story. There was a new, very talented astronaut. And he was ascending to space, carrying the expectations of all of his crew members. And moments just before he reached space, he decided to turn the rocket around and land back on Earth. And after he got out, everybody questioned him. They said, well, why didn't you continue to space? And he said, my teacher once asked me what my dream was. And when I told her to become an astronaut, she said, well, the sky is your limit. (laughs) Hey, I I don't, I just say, um, Brother A.W. writes them, you know. (laughs) Not really, but anyway. The Gospel of John was written between 90 AD and 100 AD, around the same time as he wrote his other three epistles in the book of Revelation. So this Gospel was already around and gave us some more depth, some more understanding of Jesus Christ, because Matthew, Mark, and Luke were already circulating. So we call this the spiritual Gospel. John chapter 7, verse 25. There's a lot in the text today. We're going to go through it, but just stay with me. Now some of them from Jerusalem said, Is this not he whom they seek to kill? But look, he speaks boldly, and they say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is truly the Christ? However, we know where this man is from. But when the Christ comes, no one knows where he is from. And then Jesus cried out as he taught in the temple, saying, You both know me, and you know where I am from. And I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. But I know him, for I am from him, and he sent me. Therefore they sought to take him, but no one laid a hand on him, because his hour had not yet come. And many of the people believed in him and said, When the Christ comes, will he do more signs than these which this man has done? And the Pharisees heard the crowd murmuring these things concerning him. And the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. And then Jesus said to them, I shall be with you a little while longer. And then I go to him who sent me. You will seek me and not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. Then the Jews said amongst themselves, where does he intend to go that we shall not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What is this thing that he said, you will seek me and find not find me and where I am, where I am, you cannot come. And on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried out, saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Therefore many from the crowd, when they heard this saying, said, Truly this is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Will the Christ come out of Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the seed of David, and from the town of Bethlehem, where David was? And so there was a division among the people because of him. And now some of them wanted to take him, but no one laid a hand on him. Then the officers came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, Why have you not brought him? And the officers answered, No man ever spoke like this man. Then the Pharisees answered them, Are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Nicodemus, who came to Jesus by night, being one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he is doing? They answered and said to him, Are you also from Galilee? Search and look, for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee. And everyone went to his own house. Let's pray. Lord, when I look around, and I know that there are many amongst us that are out today due to sickness. Lord, we just ask that you would heal them and bring them back to us healthy. Father, we ask that you would enlarge our territory That you would give us opportunity to share Christ this week. That you would put people in our path that need to hear your word. Give us the boldness. Give us the understanding. Give us the knowledge in that moment. Lord, we ask that you would not let us miss an opportunity. Because that happens a lot too. So Lord, we turn this over to you. And we pray, help us. Lord, help us. We also pray for those that are not here yet, that you are calling here. You said, pray the Lord of the harvest to send the workers. And so we pray for the workers from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Lord, we thank you for those that you have sent and those that you are sending. Lord, we praise you for what you're doing in our lives. And we love you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, the strong Son of God. And the church said, Amen. God will not meet all of our expectations. Our job is to have a solid relationship with Jesus, not jump to conclusions and trust him. There are times when we, won't, when we don't feel like we know what's going on. Trust him. First of all, Christians need a solid relationship with Jesus. We, we wonder all the time, well, how did this person just fall away from the church? How did this person just go away? Well, number one, was their relationship solid with Jesus? Was it built on the firm foundation? John seven twenty five through 31, I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation this time. It says, some of the people who lived in Jerusalem started to ask each other, isn't this the man they are trying to kill? But here he is speaking in public, and they say nothing to him. Could our leaders possibly believe that he is the Messiah? But how could he be? For we know where this man comes from, and when the Messiah comes, he will simply appear. No one will know where he comes from. And while Jesus was teaching in the temple, he called out, Yes, you know me, and you know where I come from, but I'm not here on my own. The one who sent me is true, and you don't know him. But I know him because I come from him, and he sent me to you. Then the leaders tried to arrest him, but no one laid hand on him, because his time had not yet come. Many among the crowds at the temple believed in him. After all, they said, would you expect the Messiah to do more miraculous signs than this man has done? Here we come back to Jesus, and he's teaching at the temple. And we know that some of the leaders, they sought to kill him, but here they they aren't coming anywhere near him for that purpose there all of a sudden silence about him causes them to to question whether their religious leaders actually believe in him to be the Messiah so the crowds wondering is this the Messiah why aren't our religious leaders doing something if he's not the Messiah however some point out that they don't know where the Messiah will be coming from he'll just appear as the righteous judge they were confusing Jesus' first coming with his second coming, folks. The religious leaders were looking for a conquering king, not a suffering servant, not a lamb to the slaughter. So all of this conversation is going on while Jesus is teaching. Can you imagine that in the church today? I'm teaching, or a preachers preaching, and all of a sudden there's all this commotion in the church, and ain't nobody really listening because they're, they're talking amongst themselves. All of a sudden, Jesus calls out and says, yes, you know me and know from where I come. And then he says he speaks for God and they don't know him. Well, that was quite the insult to the religious leaders. What do you mean? The religious leaders don't know him. The leaders would equate their positions and their knowledge of the scripture as their knowing God. It is good to know the scriptures. It is good to serve God, but that's not knowing God deep down. No, they knew about God, but not God himself. And we have the same problem in Christendom today. We have a lot of people who know a lot about God and are all about their knowledge, position, traditions, whatever, but they neglect knowing God in a deeper personal way. Well, I've been in church for 50 years. Yes, and for 50 years you've been sucking on milk and not the meat of God's word. Well, how dare you tell me that? Well, how dare you not learn the scriptures? How dare you not spend time in prayer? How dare you not ask God to reveal himself to you through the word of God? Don't get me wrong. We have to have head knowledge so that there's a a well for the Holy Spirit to pull from. To remind us about. It's important to understand the scriptures. It's important to know the scriptures. But just memorizing them isn't going to make you holy. It isn't going to deepen your relationship necessarily with God. There has to be a relationship. I can know everything I want to know about my wife. And I think I do after 25 years. I doubt it. But she still surprises me. But uh, that is not the same as having a conversation with her. That is not the same as knowing her. And the same is true with Jesus. Luke twelve eleven, And when you are brought to trial in the synagogues and before rulers and authorities, don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said. And later we find, we're going to come across it later in our study, John 14, 26 says, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. That's his job. This is a part of truly being in a relationship with Jesus. His word through the power of the Holy Spirit will guide us in all our actions and thoughts if we let him. If we let him, John 6:63 6, says, "The spirit alone gives eternal life, human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life." <coughs> Isaiah had this kind of relationship with the Lord as well. In Isaiah 30:21, he says, "Your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, "This is the way you should go." whether to the right or to the left. Hebrews 4.12 tells us this, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, and it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The Holy Spirit is given to the new believer as a seal A down payment, as it were, to the glories that awaits them in heaven. Ephesians 1.13 tells us, And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news, that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee. That he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. It is this sealing of the Holy Spirit that reminds us of the precious blood of Jesus Christ for our salvation, which was given by grace, which we received by grace, faith through grace. The Holy Spirit is God. Did you know that he's not a force? He's not the yin or the yang. He's not on Star Wars. He is a person. He is the third person of the Trinity. And he resides in every believer. Did you know that he even prays for us? You see, in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, we're told, number one, that God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. This is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Romans 8.26 says, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us, believers, in harmony with God's own will. A force cannot do that. If all the Holy Spirit is is a force to make you feel some chill bumps and run up and down the aisles, you don't have the Holy Spirit. You had last night's kielbasa. Go take a Pepsi. You'll be okay. If you don't have any, I've got some in my office. The Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity and lives inside you. He's a he. Do you know that? He's a person. And there will be times when you sense God's presence, and that is him. But it's not like there won't be times that you feel like you're in the middle of a desert and your prayers don't go past the ceiling. Guess what? He still resides in you. He still hears you. It's not about what you feel. It's about the reality. And the reality of the truth of the matter is the Holy Spirit resides in the believer. And every time the believer decides to do something that's contrary to the word of God, Then you're doing something that's contrary to the spirit. Then you're quenching the spirit. Then you're hurting God's heart. Don't do it. Amen. Thank you. I love that. John 7 verse 30. Then the leaders tried to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him. Because his time had not yet come. Many among the crowds at the temple believed in him. After all, they said, would you expect the Messiah to do more miraculous signs than this man has done? And after Jesus called them out and basically said he is the Messiah, the leaders sought to arrest him. They didn't because John wrote his hour had not yet come. That's why he didn't get arrested this time. But this is a foreshadowing as to his eventual arrest, his conviction and his crucifixion for our sins. Now we find that many people believed in him because of the signs that he, had made, that he made happen. Not because of his teaching, nor because of his wisdom, but because of the signs alone. Unfortunately, today, you will find people still seek signs and they still seek wonders. And I believe that those who seek such things will find more fakery than they will true miracles of God. I believe That when your relationship with God is solid. Then you will see true miracles. Not chicanery. Not fakery. Number two. Don't jump to conclusions. John chapter 7 verse 32. When the Pharisees heard that the crowds were whispering such things. They and the leading priests sent temple guards to arrest Jesus. But Jesus told them, I will be with you only a little longer. Then I will return to the one who sent me. You will search for me, but not find me. And you cannot go where I am going. The Jewish leaders were puzzled by this statement. Where is he planning to go, they asked. Is he thinking of leaving the country and going to the Jews and other lands? Maybe he'll even teach to the Gentiles. Oh, suffer the thought. What does he mean when he says you will search for me but not find me and you cannot go where I am going? So the Pharisees had sought and they're seeking to arrest Jesus. But instead, Jesus tells them and everyone else that's there that he's going back to heaven. But they didn't understand that. They didn't know because it hadn't happened. They thought he was going to leave the area, speak to Jews of other nations and maybe do the unthinkable thing. And teach us Gentiles about the kingdom. Oh, Lord forbid. Gentiles, by the way, are anyone who is not a Jew. He says what is going to happen. That they will search for him. And not find him because he goes to the Father. Right here we find the gospel being preached. In a foreshadowing way. in In a way for things that are yet to come. You see, he was prophetically speaking about his own future. If you look at the progression, he declares himself the Son of God in the previous section, declaring that the Father sent him. Now he says he will not be there with them much longer. Well, we know that refers to his death on the cross for our sins. Now and then he talks about people searching for him and not finding him and going somewhere no one can follow. And that speaks to his death, resurrection, and ascension into heaven. And that's the problem with all prophetic utterances. We can study things like Daniel and Revelation and, and think we have it all figured out, but when it comes to past, you know what? God may not meet our expectations. He just doesn't. And when we study prophecy, we don't want to be like the Pharisees and come up with our own minds and methods and methodologies and, and, and anything that deviates from it, well, it blows our world up and we can't have that. We should study so that we will recognize the times. So that we will recognize the coming of the Lord. So that we will recognize his work in our own lives. How does it affect me? We should study the scriptures. And be like the Bereans who studied the scriptures. To see if what Paul said was true. God is not about meeting our expectations or our interpretations, but about accomplishing his will. And let me tell you something, his will will be accomplished with you or without you. You make the choice. You want to be a part of that or not? We want to be a part of that. We want God's will to come to pass. Whatever that will is, both personally in our lives and in our church and in our in our our, uh, city, in our state, in our nation, in the world. We want his will to come to pass. And we want to be a part of it. We want to send missionaries. We also want to worry about what's going on right here. Because in the progression of things, he said, hey, go to Judea. Go to Samaria. Go to the other ends of the earth. Preach the gospel in all places. Did these people know what Christ was talking about before it happened? Well, no, they, they really didn't. They thought he was leaving the country. Little did they know he was speaking of the most important event in human history. He was leaving the planet. God will make sure, number three, that his will is done. He will make sure that his will is done, whether with us or without us. John chapter 7 verse 37 says, On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And when he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. And when the crowds heard him say this, some of them declared, surely this man is the prophet we've been expecting. Others said he's the Messiah. Still others said, but but he can't be. Will the Messiah come from Galilee? For the scripture clearly states that the Messiah will be born of the royal line of David in Bethlehem, the village where King David was born. And so the crowd was divided about him. Some even wanted him arrested, but no one dare lay a hand on him. You know, as this progression, progresses, it caused an even deeper split. Did you know that? The people were becoming even deeper, more divided. Not only were the religious leaders trying to arrest him, but some in the crowd wanted him arrested now. I imagine some wanted him lynched. If it were today, they'd want him lynched and tarred and feathered and everything else. You know what I mean? Remember, there's a lot of places around this area, and most of the place is desert, isn't it? And water is at a premium. So no matter where you go on earth, did you know that if you look at the history of civilization, no matter where you go, they build next to clean, flowing water initially. That's where civilization starts. And that's usually where it stays. People will only build civilizations where there's ample supply of water. But what does Jesus say? He says that not only will he give water, but living water. That is the water that is flowing. That's what living means a flowing water. You see, stagnant water invites what? Nastiness. It invites bacteria, mold, mildew, and even bugs. But where does flowing water invite? Nothing, because it's living water. It's good to drink. And that living water has always been a symbol for life in the scriptures. And the Bible says, I will give you living water. Jesus says to them that he is the only way, the truth, and the life, period. You want life? You go to Jesus. He gives the living water. Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. In John 14, 6, he said that. Jesus is foreshadowing what was going to happen to every believer. They were going to receive the Spirit, but it hadn't happened yet. Why? Because he'd not yet been glorified. For everyone who believes from the smallest child to the oldest adult has the same Holy Spirit living in them. Do not look down On the youngest child who says. I believe in Jesus Christ. I am saved. They got the same Holy Spirit you got. They knew enough to know. That Jesus was from Galilee. But they did not know where he was born. Which by the way. Fulfilled the prophecy of the Messiah. Because he was born in Bethlehem. What do we learn here from this? When God does a work. He's going to do it in spite of people, not because of them. He's going to do it in spite of people who get in the way. He's going to have his will accomplished. And he's going to use the believer to do it. The believer who is submitted in the living water, allowing the holy word of God to flow through them. That's who he's going to use. Isaiah fifty-five eleven. He said, it is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. God will not meet all of our expectations. That means he's not going to do the things in the way that we think he should do them. He's going to do them his way. And our job is to have a solid relationship with Jesus so that we can jump into where he's working. But we're not to jump to conclusions. We are to trust him. Don't jump to conclusions, but trust him. How about you today as the ladies come?